right, everyone. How are you doing? I'm Sergio from the Dodgeball Podcast, and here with me I have... Zach Fernald, captain of the DMV Grizzlies. And uh, Daniel Fernald, I'm also a player for the DMV Grizzlies and the host of uh, 70 Feet with Daniel Fernald, the National Dodgeball Association podcast. So I brought on these uh, two brothers over here to, you could say, knock two birds out with one stone, share both of their stories. Um, It's very unique in that we have brothers playing on the same team, but at the same time, talk a little bit about what has been one of my new favorite podcasts as of late and um, get to the bare bone of the inspiration behind it. So um, let's get into some preliminaries. So starting with Zach, what's your Jersey number and what's the story behind it? Uh, So I am number 34. Uh, Story behind it is I'm a lifelong Red Sox fan. Um, I was number 19 for basically every sport for Josh Beckett until I got to college. Uh, somebody else had 19, so I switched to 34 uh, for David Ortiz, and I've just stuck with that since then. <laughs> David Ortiz. Uh, hopefully, we don't have any Yankee fans listening right now, but um, we'll, uh, I'm sure, sure there's a couple. <laughs> I'm sure there's a couple. They'll chime in in the comments. Uh, what about you, Daniel? So, also, lifelong Red Sox fans. A lot of our family is from New, New Hampshire, Maine area, so that's kind of how we were raised. But, uh, yeah, so I'm 33, so I was a catcher pretty for most of my life in baseball. I'm my favorite player growing up. When I first started, my first memories of the Red Sox were mid-2000s when uh, Jason Baratek, who's a team captain, wore number 33. And he was my favorite player, still is my favorite player to this day. And uh, that's why I started wearing number three in baseball back then and stuck ever since then. And at Maryland, when I started playing dodgeball, no one had 33, luckily, and no one's had 33 on a team that I've come to since then, so... <laughs> worked out you want to have that number retired in the raptors over in maryland yeah that's the uh <laughs> well yeah zach and i are still coaching in maryland so we're still involved but yeah <laughs> if it, hopefully in the future when it, when uh, dodgeball becomes an ncaa sport maybe that'll happen we'll see <laughs> just just ha- just see both vernal jerseys hanging up over the raptors yeah. would be awesome to see in the future um did you guys both uh, go to – you guys both went to Maryland, right? Are you guys still going to Maryland? You guys still students? Uh, we both went to Maryland. I graduated in 2020, and Daniel was 2022. Okay, so not that far behind. So that's where your dodgeball journey began then? Yeah, so um, I came to Maryland with the intention of playing club baseball for a year and then trying to walk onto the varsity team. Um, at the freshman involvement fair, I got to the, the dodgeball table before the baseball table. Um, so I signed up for that. figured it'd be fun to go to one practice, just mess around, and then go back to baseball. Uh, dodgeball had their practice earlier in the week. And I was like, this is so much more fun than baseball. Um, <laughs> I was a pitcher in baseball. My biggest issue was I hit too many batters. That part sounds like a joke, but it's not. Uh, it's so not in dodgeball, joke. that's <laughs> in dodgeball, that's a skill set that's rewarded. So I, I feel like I fit better there. So you couldn't just go for the strike zone. You just instinctively always went for the batter. I, I'd be super accurate, and then i just drill a guy in the middle of the back. I mean, we played in a, a men's league, like baseball league, and they had like a maximum hit batters rule for a pitcher before you had to stop pitching for a game. Like if you hit three guys in an inning, yeah, they had to take you out. 
Uh, I'm the only person I know of who's ever had that rule triggered on them, and it happened like five times in one season. <laughs> Daniel can attest to this. Yeah, I've <sighs> caught as a catcher, especially starting when I, when I was a freshman in high school and continuing through when we, we played some men's league when I was in college and during COVID and things like that. But so I, I ended up catching for Zach later on. And uh, yeah, he hits a lot of batters, which as a catcher, he doesn't throw a lot of balls in the dirt. So it doesn't bother me, bother me that much. Hit batter or a catchable ball, that's fine. I, I don't have to do much work then, but it is kind of a <laughs> hitting three batters in the inning in a men's league game is kind of a, yeah. But anyways. But yeah, hey, so, at least you joined a sport that where you hit three three people in one set or one match, that's actually rewarded. So Yeah. Yeah. Now I hit three guys and they cheer. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Definitely so, not frowned upon here. <laughs> so Zach, who is at that table um that um uh, we're talking about dodgeball and are they still active today? Uh, so I actually remember the two guys who were sitting at that table. Uh, I remember because they were both <laughs> sitting, looking down at their phone. It was like a plain plastic table with one sheet of paper on it. And I was like, what is this club? And they're like, it's dodgeball. I'm like, can I sign up? And they're like, sure, I guess. So with that ringing endorsement, um, it was Justin Anderson and Adam Zwick. Neither of those guys are still playing, I believe. Um, Adam stopped playing after college. And Justin played elite for a little bit, but then blew his shoulder out. So he's been retired for a bit. But uh, yeah, those are the two guys who were at that table. So, well, um, other than, and, and we'll get to Daniel after this, um, other than pretty much being rewarded for hitting people, what was it about dodgeball that hooked you when you first started playing that kept you coming back? Yeah, I mean, one, I was good at it, which obviously helps get keep your interest in something. Um, but also, I just really enjoyed the the creativity of it. Like, it's very free-flowing. Uh, there's a, a thousand different ways to solve a problem. Um, yeah, especially in pinch dodgeball, there's the there's also the, the kind of macho aspect of just, like, the guy knows you're going to hit him right in the chest, and you just hit him right in the chest anyways, just knock him on his, knock him on his ass. It's, it's a great feeling, especially with the pinch ball. It's very satisfying. Um, so my 18-year-old self also loved that. <laughs> nice just that raw nature of you know it's gonna come at you but you're not gonna do anything about it exactly yeah <laughs> what about you daniel when did you start playing and uh what was it about it that hooked you so i mean i started playing because i was going to as a freshman maryland zach was a junior at the time and he told me to come out and play and then from early on i was i mean I wanted to play some kind of club sport, but I knew club baseball was a lot more of a time commitment, which little did I know that I'd be committing this much time to dodgeball in the future. But anyways, <laughs> I digress. But yeah, so I, I just really love playing dodgeball and I was a catcher and there's a throwing aspect, but also one thing that I was good at pretty much from the start was catching the ball because I am just, you can still see it to this day. I play on the floor a lot. Zach calls my style of dodgeball grimy, but uh, it's a very loving term. But uh, yes, that was just really like, for example, my whole freshman year, I didn't, I didn't really throw much early on in college. My whole freshman year, I like to use this stat that I had 17 kills my whole freshman year in like 25 games, which <laughs> in NCAA games as 12 on 12, that's not a lot, but 
or from the early on I could catch and I would always I love being one of the last ones in and they throw a team throw and I would collapse on the floor and catch the one ball and the other balls would sail past my head and that's kind of the first thing I loved about it and it was very intense my first tournament I was we played uh one that was my first or second game we played in the national champion Towson and they had guys whipping backhands like 75 and I, I was like what is this this is insane but it was just so competitive and I loved it. And uh, to this day, I did not think, as I said, I did not think I would get this far, but here we are. And I'm, <laughs> I'm happy that I tried it out back in 2018. Wow. He, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you both are kids. Um, Cause I'm yeah. definitely not in my twenties. Um, Daniel, you look like you're 12, barely growing a mustache, yeah. <laughs> but um, it's, so you guys pretty much join the same team. You guys have a very unique one-two punch in that your brother likes to light people up and you like to catch people. So there's a little complimentary skill sets you guys have seemingly right off the jump. Um, you guys both played baseball together, you know, one pitching to the other or one throwing at batters and the catcher not doing much. <laughs> so let's describe it. What's grimy dodgeball for the people at home? Let's describe, let's give that a definition. What's that? How so it's a, it? it's a lot of involves a lot of crawling on the floor. I run through a lot of knee pads. I I rip those things up. I have the McDavid knee uh, knee sleeves, which a lot of people wear. Which if if you play dodgeball normally, are pretty good durability. But I run through like three of those pairs a year because I just I rip them up. But uh, yeah, I mean it's just especially in rubber. So no sting, eight five pinch. It's it's particularly, I don't know, it's just much easier for me to catch. So I play on the floor a lot. And it, I don't know, just as a catcher growing up, it, I, I just had to drop the block for the ball and get real low. And that's, and it's just been kind of an easy thing for me, easy transition. That's just how I play. And it's, I mean, I find that a lot of people, they never really throw two balls low, even if they're throwing four balls at you. So if you collapse into a ball that's like a foot on the ground, there's only going to be one ball there. And it's easy to catch. And I also have uh, bendy joints. Uh, Zach calls me floppy. I have like, <laughs> I have hypermobility in my joints, which when I was younger, they thought was, was like a, it was like a muscle disorder kind of thing they called. But then when I started playing, I started catching and now into dodgeball, it's been a, a useful asset because usually the six foot two guy doesn't playing catcher, but usually the small guy. But when you have floppy joints, it works out. Floppy joints. Yeah, so I mean, I I just I end up crawling around a lot on the ground, sliding for balls and things like that. So that's kind of Zach's uh, grimy form of dodgeball that he likes to call. Zach can Zach can express uh, elaborate further if he has anything to comment on that. Yeah, so the the specific moment where I called him grimy was in uh, in Boston at the USA Dodgeball round earlier this year uh, mm. during open nosing. It, this this sequence of plays, I was on the sideline next to uh, Chaz Billick, one of our other players. Um, and Daniel threw a ball and then at the, at the line, dropped to his knees to dodge. And instead of getting up, just like did the thing where you like push the floor to slide back on your knees. He caught a ball <laughs> on his knees and then passed it to somebody else and then crawled back forward on his knees to get a loose ball all the way up at the line and then caught another one at the line. And then stood up after like covering a hundred feet, just crawling back and forth on his knees, like during the game. 
And I just turn to Chaz and I'm like, he just plays, he just plays a grimy brand of dodgeball. That's just all it is. It's just dirty on the floor. <laughs> He's just in the trenches, man. That's what he, that's what it is. He's just he, in the trenches. He digs the trenches and then jumps right in them. Like there were no trenches, but he found them. He found <laughs> he he found them on a you said this was a USA round? Yeah, this was in Boston earlier this year. So he 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 pretty much he, it won't be any trenches, but you know Daniel will find them, kind of thing. Yeah, he's gonna dig a hole and jump in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you guys seemingly start your journey together. Um, at what point would um, what would you say uh, was your before we go into like your elite USA, you know, premiere uh, debut kind of thing? What would you say was the highlight of your? I guess you say college career, NCDA career. Um, and we'll start with Zach. What plays stick out to you or what moments stick out to you for your college experience that you look back on that, you know, still bring a smile to your face? Um, my personal highlight is probably uh, for my senior year because I, I wasn't actually like a fundamentally sound dodgeball player until my senior year. I just threw hard. Uh, <laughs> but there was – there was this uh, this one guy on Ohio University that we uh, kind of had an issue with. Daniel's going to smile at this because he also has an issue with this particular man. Um, He's smiling off camera right now. I see it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this guy, for whatever reason, just hated me and Daniel. Um, and he was a really hateable guy, so we, we gave it right back. But basically in this game, um, he started the first point of the game off by like mowing down three of our weaker players or weaker catchers at least and like holding up fingers counting out the, the number of kills oh, so like, like a one two three yeah okay um so the start of the second point i picked the ball up and i just smoked him right in the face and i yelled that's one um <laughs> <laughs> and and for for the rest of the game every time i would throw a ball uh he would just be sprinting crashing on me as hard as he could um, and that led to one of those in like the the end of the first half when we were coming back from being down a point. Um, I had like a jump catch where I went over one ball and caught his like off my chin, like with my <laughs> head like nine feet in the air or whatever. Um, and I just like landed and just like looked at him as he turned and walked off the court the whole way down. Um, NCDA is very frugal with the cards, so you can get away with a lot of that kind of that kind of trash talk that doesn't fly in most other leagues. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's probably my my favorite kind of individual sequence of plays there. So, if you could be having a rough day right now, and then that moment going back to your Maryland career that could make you smile right now, knowing that you got out the uh, bully from Ohio, so to speak. Oh yeah, no, and I my my friend Shitty Drakeford made both of us um, kind of career highlight videos when we graduated college. Oh. So I can still just go watch that that clip in HD whenever I whenever I need a little pick me up. It's always nice. Oh, um, I I didn't know he made you a. I gotta see this. Uh, now I gotta see it. Now I gotta see that that clip. Um, but yeah, Shadid Drakeford. That's a a throwback name for the NCDA community. So his name doesn't get mentioned enough, as far as I'm concerned. Um, what about you, Daniel? College highlight. What would that that would be for you? I mean, I had a couple different plays. Um, probably my, my first one was against this same guy from Ohio my freshman year at Nationals when we were down 1-0 late in the game. And it was a real slow game, and they had a five on two or three, 
and that, that he was their best thrower and they, we had a balls over and they threw a team throw, but he didn't, he threw on, he didn't wait for the team throw. So he just threw on like two and I just caught it and got our, one of our best, one of our senior players back in. And that was a big upset. I think they were five or six in the country when we beat them. And that was on the day one nationals as a huge upset and kind of put us on the map as a strong team. But then, I mean, my senior year, I kind of had an interesting dodgeball uh, career in Maryland because halfway through my sophomore year, COVID hit. So I didn't have a sophomore nationals, had no junior year at all. And coming into my senior year, uh, we had a total of four players in our whole club because we had a lot of upperclassmen and there was no recruiting because there was no games or there's no, you couldn't, there's no recruitment fair or anything like that my junior year. So we had a really hard time at retaining members and things like that. So I pretty much had to start, I pretty much had to recruit a whole team of freshmen my senior year, which was, I will say was trying at times being an experienced player with a bunch of brand new rookies and everything like that. But I mean, it really helped me step up my game personally. And I really gained a lot of confidence early on. And I think one of my favorite games was in against Virginia in my first tournament as a senior was really when it clicked for me on how to kind of uh, be a leader and make plays. And I think it was one point where I had seven or eight outs of the 12 people on the other, on UVA. And that was one of my, and there's a uh, Shadid has a video of that as well, where I think I, I have a kill. I run back in the classic fashion. I slide on the ground, catch a guy from probably 15 feet away and take that ball run and throw at someone else. And that, that just that kind of sequence rings in my mind is one of my favorites, but uh, really my whole senior year, I'm pretty proud of is how to keeping the club together and everything like that. And now, uh, a lot of those players that I recruited then are juniors and seniors and seeing and coaching now and seeing how they're playing now and competing really makes me proud. And that's probably what I would say. What my greatest dodgeball accomplishment is kind of building the club back up and making Maryland a top competitive team again. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, it's kind of funny how both of your highlights, at least, you know, from the beginning started off with the same player on the other side, Yeah, but you both had different unique experiences um, in that you pretty much rebuilt the club after the fact and Zach got well-deserved <laughs> revenge and mind games <laughs> pretty much had real estate in his mind for the, uh, for the rest of that match and probably the rest of his college career. Um, so at one point, who, let, let's talk about you guys either joining or forming the uh, DMV Grizzlies. How did that come up, come about and, between you, who joined first? Were you guys like a package deal kind of thing? Like, how was that like when you guys hopped on on DMV? Uh, yeah, so I I joined in 2019. I played uh, two elite rounds that year. Um, it was only eight five that I played at that point. Uh, but so that's when I joined DMV when it was still run by Shadid. Um, and then after COVID. Shadid retired, Hunter Ford retired, uh, Justin Anderson, who was my kind of ticket into that team, like same guy who recruited me, he retired. So we had kind of a shell of a team. Um, it was just me uh, and two of our other guys. So I had to kind of rebuild that team from scratch, similar to how Daniel did with Maryland. Um, and so, of course, the first call was Daniel because I know he needed a team. 
Um, so that's how he joined was just right after, uh, right after COVID, as soon as the, the team kind of came back together after all the retirees departed. <laughs> so how did that feel when you got that call, uh, Daniel, that, you know, essentially now the roles were reversed. Now Zach is having to rebuild a team and you have a way to get in kind of thing. Yeah. So honestly, I wasn't even that psyched about playing non-pinch right which a lot of people are because it's what they're comfortable with but i think my first uh i guess it was usa dodgeball at the time was 2022 it was the scouting event for team usa that the foam cloth scouting event so my first one was just playing a foam tournament which foam and pinch drastically different right drastically mm-hmm. different games which i love all forms of dodgeball now but it took some getting used to but i mean even that tournament i really just enjoyed playing and I wanted to keep getting better and better at it, especially at the smaller core dodgeball. And uh, I mean, it was nice having Zach as the captain and having a newer team that we could really build and grow together. And now uh, we're a team that's on the rise and we're getting close to that upper echelon of USA dodgeball teams where we can start challenging for some uh, titles. We're getting closer and closer every tournament we play. And it's really, it's really just it's fun to see from how far how far we've grown from the first couple of tournaments of 2022 until now, but it, it was nice having that uh, having Zach helping me get into it. But we kind of build the team together to this day. Add add new players. We uh, identify we know we from our NCDA we know young players who have potential and we help them get into uh, our USA team and really and gain the young players and really can help us grow quickly. So. Were you at the round in uh, Erie, Pennsylvania? Yeah, I was there. We that's only we, played foam, but we yeah, we, you only played foam. That was like yeah, that's where we met. I remember yeah. meeting you there, albeit very because, yeah. Then we hated cloth, or really until after nationals twenty twenty two, we hated cloth. Which now we're cloth is our best ball type, so it's kind of funny how that works. <laughs> Although I guess we're getting pretty good at foam too, but. I mean, I guess. No, no, yeah. don't try to hustle these people. I, I did my homework. Y'all get in there. Y'all get in yeah, there. Yeah. Try to hustle me on this thing. I do. I do my research. You guys, you guys are getting there. Yeah. I was like, we had a, we had a, we probably had our, uh, we played shred pretty well uh, at FTC a couple of days ago and they, they ended up winning the whole thing. And that was, it was kind of the first time we ever played shred and foam and had them not take out any starters and kind of go hundred percent the whole time. So that was, a good thing to see for us and kind of the progression that we're competing against those top level foam teams. Guys have been playing foam for before we either of us even started playing dodgeball, right? Things like that. So let's talk about, cause you guys come from the pinching school of thought. What were the biggest hurdles you guys had to adjust to in the small court game? And we'll start with you, Daniel. What would you say your biggest hurdle was translating out of the NCDA into the premier circuit. So, I mean, the main difference I would say is the, uh, the main difference that you think it is, is the hard soft boundaries. Although for my case, and I know for a couple other people that took maybe two to three points to adjust to that, you kind of just don't swing open. You kind of stay squared. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's that hard to adjust. Some people, it might be harder, but for me, Funny. I think it was the pinch blocking. That's hard. The hardest going from eight, five, where you're not allowed to pinch block because I would 
I mean, when when I I'd brace the ball by I I would always pinch block and pinch, but I'd brace the ball by clasping my hand in, and it would I get called for pinch warnings or like you're not allowed to pinch or things like that. And yeah. I I mean I do it. It still happens in no sing. I mean I I never pinch no sing, but just to brace no sing, it happens occasionally. I'll get a pinch warning because my hands will brace it, and that's just how I'm used to bracing the ball is bracing it into a pinch. So that so I, I would say the blocking was the hardest issue for me in the transition but i mean especially going to his last year usa dodgeball 2022 usa dodgeball was still mostly an 8-5 league right so i found that aspect was pretty easy because 8-5 was just slow pinch in my that's what i found it so i found it pretty easy to catch the 8-5 balls so i thought that was a pretty easy transition for me much easier than i anticipated what about you, Zach? What what was your biggest uh, mental hurdle uh, coming from the NCDA playing in the Premier? Um, probably strategy. I didn't really struggle with a lot of the gameplay stuff, at least as far as um, rubber goes. <clears throat> Foam and cloth is a bit of a different story. Um, but just strategically, everything with the the six on six on the smaller court, you have to be more cohesive and spoken with your team. Um, whereas NCDA. You call a little bit, a little bit of plays, um, but a lot of it's just kind of knowing your teammates and understanding what they're going to do based off the time you've spent playing together and the chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely a lot more detailed strategically in the small court. Um, also a lot less, i say, hero ball reward. Um, in NCDA, you can get, you can get a lot of hype going with just like one big hit and then just square up a catch because with a pinch ball coming from 28 feet, it's going to hurt if a guy's throwing hard, but basically anyone's catchable if they put it on your body. Um, So kind of learning that even if I can get my hands to a ball, I probably shouldn't try to catch every single ball. That was also a bit of a transition Yeah, uh, coming to the small court. But I think definitely the the kind of team strategy, especially as a captain, was the biggest hurdle for me. So pretty much trying to understand the meta of the new format, not so much the gameplay itself, but trying to compress that in the in that setting is your biggest hurdle. It's funny, um, Daniel hinted it before. The one time, the one thing I always hear is uh, the boundaries. Like that's always like the you know people always get themselves out kind of thing when they when they translate or transition from college to the NCDA. But it seemed like you both had different hurdles that the boundaries weren't so much of an issue for you guys. Yeah, I think the the boundaries are an issue for, and I know there's, this is going to make some uh, current and former pitch players a little bit upset. The boundaries are an issue for bad players who can't manage their distance. I think I stepped out like one time my first elite tournament, and then I figured it out because you just, like Daniel said, you just don't swing open. You just stay square, and then you're good. And if you're still stepping out without swinging open, that means you just don't know where your feet are, and that's kind of on you. <laughs> if anything i'm gonna be the one that gets the bad comments not you um <laughs> before but, they get uh, mad at me usa dodgeball players also step out so <laughs> everyone steps out and it's always <laughs> your fault <laughs> that that is true you can't blame the format for your mistake i mean we all we're all you know the ground is leveled so to speak so it's on you to know where the boundaries are um so <laughs> let's talk let's go back and Let's, well, actually, no. Let's uh, talk about the NDA. The NDA that formed this le- uh, this this past year 
you guys also play in that league. It's essentially the league that, you know, is your bread and butter as far as what you guys are used to playing to in college. So describe how, like, let, let's get an encompassing um, statement as far as, like, what was the NDA season like for you guys as a team and as individuals? And we'll start with Isaac. Um, I think Daniel should actually take the the first crack as far okay. as the overarching theme of the NDA. Go for it. Yeah, I mean, so the overarching NDA, anyone who's listened to, uh, I'm sure you, you had Felix and Kevin on this podcast earlier. So anyone who's listened to that episode, kind of similar gist, but uh, it was pr- it's pretty much a league for uh, to keep people who played in the CDA playing dodgeball at the college because most – players in the NCDA got kind of felt kind of left out that they had to go play on a small court and play pinch half the day and play eight, five, the other half. So it was kind of a better way to keep NCDA town in dodgeball because it's not, it's not necessarily a, Oh, other dodgeball, other forms of dodgeball suck, right? Like pinch is just, you want to keep people playing what they're familiar with. So then they can potentially have exposure to other types of dodgeball later on. But I think the first season of the NDA, especially since it was, kind of created on a month or two two's notice it was uh it went really well i mean they, they were experimenting they thought of, they were talking about it for a while but it was kind of a month or two before the first event that they really put into action and i think it went as well as you could have all the events were uh very well run well i did i didn't run the two of the three events i attended myself so i guess that's kind of patting myself on the back <laughs> but uh yeah so zach and zach and i were running the east coast events because a lot of the board weren't it lives in michigan ohio weren't necessarily able to make out to those east coast events but we were i mean i was personally very happy with the turnout at all the events this year i mean even the east coast we were expecting to have three or four east coast teams and some of the events we had seven or eight right so that that's it was just really cool to see all that come together and I mean the amount of teams and the amount of current college players that are playing I think it's great for the league and really, as you're really seeing it in the NCDA this year the the best teams in the NCDA are the most or the most improved teams I should say are teams who had a large amount of players play NDA like I know two of the teams that struggled at times which was Cleveland Chaos most of Kent State was mostly Kent State players. And then Baltimore Blue Crabs, which was mostly Maryland players, current Maryland players, not the, our team was mostly Maryland alumni. But yeah, the Baltimore, those two teams really, Maryland and Kent State, are greatly improved now in the NCDA because they played NDA. So I think it's a really great way to get NCDA players involved and get them better at dodgeball because you're playing all these experienced, different, all these experienced uh, NCDA players. So kind of getting, getting that uh, opportunity to play against experienced players, even if you lose 5-1, right? Like, you, like if you're a team of college players, you're not going to beat Dynasty, right? Like, it's not, that's not going to happen. Right. But just getting that experience and getting that playing against top competition is really, really gets you uh, so much better. And when you go back to the NCDA, it really looks like slow motion. So that's really I, – I, that's one thing I love about the NDA. And also I love that I don't have to – I felt in past years, Zach, Zach can attest to this, we kind of – Whenever we had a little opportunity to play pinch, whether it be some one-off tournament, we kind of put a ragtag team together. And when it played, it wasn't always our ideal team. So I'm happy that we could play NDA and have a roster that we built, not just who we could fill out for that weekend. (laughs) And our NDA team was, I think, pretty competitive this year in the two East Coast events, which 
I will admit are a little bit less stacked than the Ohio or Michigan events, but there's, there's still some quality teams that traveled out from Ohio. A couple of teams that won events in Michigan, Ohio have traveled out. So, but yeah, we were second in the first event and then uh, we won the second event, which was really cool. I think that was a really good experience. And then I was actually Grizzlies didn't go, but I, I was able to play at NBA nationals and help run that as well. Help set up that tournament, which was another really cool opportunity. And the uh, the venue in Hamilton, Ohio, and the whole event was done beautifully. Yeah. I played I played with Hunter Ford's Virginia Venom because uh, we know Hunter pretty well. And he, he asked me if I wanted to play because he knew Grizzlies weren't going. And I jumped on that opportunity. And it was it was a really fun weekend all around. Uh, prop besides being in Hamilton, Ohio, everything about that venue, everything about the event was perfect. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to see what and they have some big i know they have some big sponsorship deals and stuff in the works so i'm really looking forward to see what the nda cooks up for next year and how much the league grows because i know there's already a bunch of new teams brewing <laughs> he's like other than it being in hamilton it was a great event. <laughs> yeah other than being an hour drive from cincinnati it's pretty good it's, i mean but also you're not finding a venue that, that that's that nice for less than a ridiculous price in a, in a big city. So I don't blame them for that one. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, it, you, you pretty much ran through a solid like synops, synopsis of the overall um, season. I don't know if I said this on, I'll have to look back on it, but I don't know if I said this on air or off air, but there's something about the college vibe that, you know, players from like six years ago are coming out to watch the NDA uh, finals or or NCDA yeah. finals. Like it's like once you're a part of the NCDA NDA culture, it's almost like a lifelong fraternity. Like you know people's stories, you know people's you know backgrounds. People are willing to let you crash on their couch. You know stuff like that. There were apparently players. Um, one of them had mentioned it last in the last episode that you you, you uh, talked about that had a, a player took like two or three hours just to watch like they drove two or three hours from wherever they were mm-hmm. to watch the nda finals and i'm just thinking like that that culture as of that, that pinching college culture if you want to call it that must be so tight-knit for someone to take time out of their day just to experience it and not even be playing would would you yeah, say I that? think it's I think it's also just much more of the culture to wash the games, right? I've I've heard in other podcasts, I don't remember if it was your podcast or Kim's podcast, shout out Kim, but uh Yeah. Yeah, he, he was uh I, m- I remember someone was saying that like no one stays to watch the games at USA events, like the title games, right? Which is also part in fact because they're usually at like eight eight thirty PM and people want to go party and drink, right? Which right. I mean can't blame them for that. But uh <laughs> Yeah, no, I think it's just stemming from the NCDA is just a big part of the culture to stay and watch. I mean, like the NDA championship game this year and the NCDA championship game this year, just for some examples, there was probably 50 to 100 people watching those games like at the venue. And the, their, their teams might have been eliminated hours ago or even the day before, right? But they stayed and they watched the game just because they it's a community aspect and they also love watching the competition because – it's such an intense, fiercely competitive form, uh, format. So I think that it just really gives people that passion for it and want and wants uh, encourages people to watch it. And I know the the stream for the NDA uh, 
channel game had a ton of viewers and was really well really really well done. I don't know if you you watched that, but uh, Bill Fisher came out to Hamilton, Ohio, and put on a show with. I mean, his 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 camera setup is crazy, but uh, <laughs> I, I was I was lucky enough to be able to commentate that game with Kevin. It was it was a it was a uh, amazing game, and I mean, just amazing atmosphere having the fans there just made it feel like you're truly in like a professional sport type atmosphere. So that was that was really cool. That was something I was going to mention. Um, I was actually at work <laughs> and we had yeah. like TV screens and I, um, me being the supervisor, I was pulling rank and I was like, all right, we're going to watch this. I don't want to hear nothing. <laughs> and it like, I, I, I might've mentioned it on the last podcast I had, but um, you know, there were people who were just like, there were customers watching this. There were, yeah you know people not getting job not getting their work done watching this and you can see the college experience you can almost feel that gladiatorial like in like environment just like people cheering for it and people were like were all in it and that final was crazy <laughs> that first I mean, final was crazy yeah, i called no, it the battle of michigan but <laughs> i mean you couldn't have drawn up a better final i think it was uh I think it was right after we turned off our mics from commentating. Kevin said to me, he's like, yeah, that I couldn't, I don't think we like that. I'm so happy that that game was like that because I just couldn't have imagined anything better for the league or a better, even a showcase for potential sponsors or people who wanted to get into the league, showing them that kind of setup and that kind of competitive game with the athleticism and all the, probably the, the two best pinch teams, like it, it was two of the three best pinch teams at worst having those teams uh, in the title game going head to head and the five, four back and forth five, four and overtime was just really amazing. And it was, it was a great thing to watch in a kind of a culmination of how well the whole year went for the NBA. For sure. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm like, ever since I did that, that recap and I was taking notes throughout the entire season. Um, I, I think you guys won around if, if I, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I was just like, you guys had something special there. And I, I will say for, for the NCDA NDA crowd, like I'll be honest, I'm kind of jealous I didn't start playing in college because um felt like I missed out for sure. That that's a strong community there and the the action is nonstop as far as I'm concerned. Um but getting back on track and not nerding out as much as I thought I would. Uh, let's get into your sports backgrounds in the past. So you guys always play baseball together? And what other sports uh, did you play together growing up? So usually we didn't we didn't really play together, um, except for I think like one season in like one summer league in high school. Uh, but I played baseball since I was four or five. Um, basketball since I was like, I don't know, seven or eight, something like that. Um, always took baseball more seriously. But those are definitely the the two main sports. What about you, Daniel? Uh, yeah, that was a, that was pretty much the same years and everything for me. Uh, I loved playing. I love playing basketball to this day. I mean, our high school had a pretty strong basketball team when I was there. Pretty much the whole team was like six seven. So I was like, I don't have. I'm not super. I'm not fast enough to make that make the varsity team for that at someone who was only six one at the time. So I took baseball a little more seriously in high school. But yeah, I mean those are pretty much the two sports I played and uh really the years have been 
knowing that I've been throwing frequently since I was five years old. So I guess that kind of helps with uh, keeping the arm in shape to this day. And I still throw every week, multiple times a week, usually, which has kind of helped me avoid uh, many arm injuries over the years. <laughs> well, Daniel, you, you played varsity basketball in high school for one season. You got oh, a letter I, 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 I did forget about that. I got a varsity letter for women's basketball. Uh, I guess I do not, I not misspeak for women's basketball in high school because our high school was one of the best public schools in the state of Virginia. And I, th- I think we won our, it was, our, we won our district like 25 of 28 years or something. We had a bunch of D1. We even have a couple of WNBA players, oh. but uh, anyways, yeah, I, they recruited guys to play on the women's practice squad and they offered they offer some gear and free hyper dunks. So I took, took them up all that offer. And uh, like, that's like $120 shoes I'll, for free. All I have to do is come play basketball against the girls team for two hours once a week. I was like, I'll go do that. And so I did do that senior year and I got a varsity letter. I even got a piece of the net from the championship, which was pretty cool. That's awesome, dude. <laughs> and you got free shoes off. You still got those shoes now? I still got those shoes. They're actually the basketball shoes I generally wear. <laughs> because I mean, there's I only wear them on court, so I mean they're still in pretty good shape. But uh, yeah, I don't play basketball a ton anymore. I play in my my work has a rec league that I'll I'll run in with some friends for my work. But uh, yeah, no, I, that that's really the only basketball I play anymore. But yeah, that's always a it's always a fun fact. The semi pro dodgeball plus uh getting a varsity letter in women's basketball it's 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 a good. Uh, conversation starter and people are always very confused and want to hear more whenever I say that but yeah, it's definitely a conversation starter for sure um <laughs> I did not th- I, I did not even think about that all right so um let I'm, now I'm gonna put you guys on the spot who has the cleanest jumper between the both of you uh right now definitely Daniel so I <laughs> tore like every ligament in my right ankle last May playing pickup so I have not – I've officially retired from uh, all sports besides dodgeball and slow-pitch softball because I'm not going to risk losing months of dodgeball because I wanted to play basketball with my friends. Um, so definitely nice. Daniel at this point. <laughs> definitely Daniel. You're going to concede that? He actually still plays basketball, so <laughs> you got <laughs> yeah. the advantage there. So you guys often, from, um, from what we discussed earlier, you guys always seemingly find a way to play together. Has there ever been a point in life, whether in dodgeball or other uh, otherwise, that you guys played against each other? Um, I mean, if you count every day of our lives before I left for college in the driveway, <laughs> then yeah, we played against each other a, a fair bit. Um, as far as organized sports go, I don't think we've ever been on opposing teams in like a formal league. Um, even as far as dodgeball goes, we've only been on different teams for one division, and that was for uh, mixed nosting in Chicago this year. Daniel played on, uh, I think, Precision. But, yeah, no, we've been on the same team or just in, like, different age levels throughout, like, our whole lives. So I don't think we've ever really played against each other. Okay. Um, I was, like, thinking, like, these guys had to have either played against each other at one point or are they just consistently a package deal? <laughs> um 
All right, let's talk about role models uh, growing up. Do you guys have any um, individual, individually, do you guys have any role models you looked up to growing up or people in dodgeball that um, that you respect? We'll start with these, uh, Zach. All right, so as far as uh, like dodgeball role models, I mean, I guess like, uh, like life role models, it was always athletes um, and uh, usually Red Sox players. Uh, <laughs> my, my main one was probably Dustin Pedroia just for how hard he played. Um, just kind of the, the all out kind of effort mentality. Um, as far as dodgeball goes, I try to take little bits and pieces from every good player I see. Um, so I try to learn from everyone. Like I'll, I'll study how somebody like, like Mike McGee moves. Uh, I'll look at how somebody like uh, Hashimoto or Dylan Cruz catches, um, just how, how like Andrew Ketchum throws, just stuff like that. Um, whatever I can take from just the best in the sport, I think has uh, really helped make myself a better player in what I think is a pretty short amount of time playing non-pinch dodgeball. <laughs> There's some solid influences there. What about you, Daniel? Yeah, so I mean, I'm kind of similar, and especially in, uh, so my one of my role models is also Dustin Bedroya, which if you ever seen Dustin, he's a five or six time gold glover, second baseman for the Red Sox, one MVP, all-star, pretty much every award you can win, right? But uh, yeah, he would always play so hard, dive on the dirt, leave it all in the field every game. And doesn't matter if you got cut up and everything. And that's kind of my mentality when I started playing catcher, just the leave it all out there. And then when playing in dodgeball, I would get a, I would get, get a bloody nose, play the next point with a paper towel shoved up my, shoved up my nose, right? And it would just be that kind of mentality, the... Uh, the keep grinding mentality that he has. And also for dodgeball with specific wise, like similar to Zach says, I would look at some of the best players that I see and pull little things from their games, especially since uh, particularly dodging is one of the main things that I, that I look at because in the NCAA, there's not as much dodging. It was mostly square up and catch it. Don't jump away from the ball, but certain ball types like foam, you kind of have to dodge. You might claw too i mean you have, you have to get much much cleaner with your movement and much more efficient with that so that, that's the main thing that i was able to uh take from some of the the better players i see playing as in usa dodgeball and kind of transition that and it also now but going back to pinch it makes that seem so much easier to dodge throws and position myself better on the court now that i kind of have the uh experience in the usa dodgeball nice um all right let's talk about rivals um do you guys have any rival teams or individual players you like gear up ready to play whenever you see them on the calendar and who are they we'll start with you zach all right i think rivals just in terms of how many times you've played them um i definitely have to include precision and clutch mode on that list uh marcus from precision isn't going to like to hear this but I mean, the the record's been heavily in our favor this year, um, so you know he, I just like talking trash to him, so he that's why he gets to stay on the rivals list. Um, as far as like, I also just love playing like top end teams. Um, I know I I name dropped uh, Mikey and and Dylan earlier. I love playing against Shred. Um, I feel like I elevate my game so much just by playing against guys like that. Um, and then, obviously, every time I get to corner across from Mikey is just fighting for my life, but it makes me so much better so quickly, so I love it. So, wait a minute. You, you said um, 
you have a uh, like a personal rivalry with uh, Marcus from Precision? <laughs> kind of. We end up at a lot of the same practices since he's in Baltimore. It's only a couple hours away. Um, no, we're we're good friends. It's just a kind of just I I enjoy messing with him and he enjoys messing with me when we're playing against each other. So of course it, it, it's friendly, but obviously like there's some uh, history there, just not animosity. Is more like yeah, trash yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's an accurate way to put it. Okay, that, that's fair. What about you, Daniel? Who's your uh, rival? Who would you consider your rival team or player would be that you always have just, to? Uh, I mean, the second them. Zach is definitely would be uh, precision and clutch mode because every tournament they're at, no matter where it is in the country, no matter how many teams are there, we always play both of them. I mean, we for example, we we'd go. I mean, there we were at like Chicago. And there was twenty foam teams, and we had five. We had five games, and we played precision. Who's who we play at? Every, who, I mean, it makes sense for a Philly tournament, a local, more local tournament, right? They're local guys too, but it's just funny. We always end up playing them. And uh, Clutchmore is a team that I think uh, early last year was definitely a lot better than us, but we're getting a lot, a lot closer to their caliber now, and playing against them frequently, and playing against teams like Shred and Anarchy really uh, helps us kind of level up and play harder and and kind of more intense. I know this past weekend at FTC, we were kind of dragging our feet for the first couple of games. And then we had shred. And after that, for the, for the rest of the day, we were pretty solid. And I think that kind of playing against those top end teams really puts you in a different gear. And uh, you, you're able to play at a level that you weren't necessarily sure you're capable of before. So kind of just it helps you speed you up and kind of make quicker decisions and just react instead of overthinking things <laughs> to any tournament organizer out there that may be listening to this if you see those three teams you know dmv um you said precision and then clutch mode if you see those three yeah. on, on the bracket just keep them in that bracket we need this rivalry <laughs> to continue <laughs> I don't care if this t- if this tournament took place in Anchorage, Alaska, and they're from the East Coast. Just make that bracket happen. <laughs> Keep the rivalry alive, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> that 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 is kind of funny. Like you guys travel all the way out to Chicago, and you still end up playing. <laughs> yeah, that's the universe telling you like this is what it's meant to be at this point. Yeah, it's funny. Even because Precision plays NDA too, so we play in all the East Coast events. And I will say, in NDA. I guess we kind of have a, uh, I would say we kind of have a rivalry with Baltimore Blue Crabs because those are those are the the young Maryland guys, although they're kind of like they're kind of our children, so it doesn't usually go well for them when we play. <laughs> and uh, the Virginia Venom, which law four VCU players who we played at in our college days, it's always a fun game. We played them, we play them as well, although we've been we got the better of them a couple times this year in NDA, but. Uh, <laughs> But nice. yeah, but those for NDA side, those playing those two teams and Precision are are it's always. I mean, we're we're all friends with those guys, so it's like I had kind of fun rivalry, but it gets competitive on the court, and it's always fun to trash talk with people that you're good <laughs> friends with off the court. So I think that makes rivalries even much even better. And clutch mode, we're also pretty good friends with all those guys. I mean, we've played, we had we've we've played with the Bethard brothers, and TJ and a, a bunch of other clutch mode guys on our own, on our own team for separate tournaments as well. So these are people that we would play with if they weren't already on a team, but playing against them makes it more fun as well. So, I mean, playing with them, playing against them, it's all, it's a good time no matter what. 
I love how you just went and you had like an all-encompassing answer as far as like, all right, this is my this is our rivals in the Blue Crabs in uh, NDA. This is our rival in, in Premier, and this is how it kind of shapes out because you're you're pretty much drawing a narrative here of yeah. community bond, but friendly banter, and that's something that people need to understand about the sport and how tight knit it is. Um, so let's talk about seventy feet. What um, inspired you to do this podcast and what was your biggest hurdle starting it, if that makes sense? Like, what was your biggest concern starting it? So, I mean, I just, I, uh, so I wanted to do a podcast for NCDA actually a year or two back, but then uh, someone else, uh, Terrence Checkett, who was the, one of the current Ohio captains is running that, the neutral zone podcast for NCDA, which I help out with that when I can, but I was like, I'll, I'll do one for I want NDA stars. Like I, NDA needs more content. NDA, NDA needs exposure because a lot of people from outside the NDA know the dynasty, the Kraken, Omerta, right? But they don't necessarily know the know the individuals on other teams. And I kind of want to give more spotlights to those people's stories. And it kind of, uh, Kim's podcast kind of inspired me, inspired me to get that going because I really enjoyed listening to the first five or six episodes. And I was like, Actually, I could get this going. So I called up a guy I know from NCDA, NDA, Caleb Newell. Shout out! He made the he made the logo for me. It oh, was sweet. kind of a derivative of 90, 94 feet with Jay Billis, which is if you're a college <laughs> basketball fan, you do know what that is. But uh, the similar logo too, I will say. But I, I did adjust it for dodgeball for NDA specifically. And uh, uh, for the first episode, I didn't really know what I was doing. That's why I had Zach because. I can waste Zach's time. It doesn't bother me. But if I waste someone else's time, <laughs> that's different. That, that is awesome. But yeah, the, the fact that you mentioned the Jay Billis podcast, I didn't really think about the similarity in names yeah. <laughs> until that just hit me. And I'm just, for the people at home, you know, obviously this is audio. I'm just grinning from ear to ear because of that comparison. Um, and yeah, of course, if you're going to waste someone's time, why not It'd be your brother, right? Yeah, I mean, and he's also understanding. It's it's not some like I mean, I was I was doing it on a hotel Wi-Fi when I was traveling for work, and it was uh, it was a bit sketch. And I was figuring out the the I was using Spotify for podcasters initially. And I was figuring out the software for that. Because I kind of started, I kind of thought of the really started getting the ball rolling in the idea with a logo, like the day before, and then twenty four hours later, I was recording a podcast. So that's kind of the. Uh, because I just want to kind of get get something out there and get some content out there, and I think it's been slowly improving with questions and also being a myself being a host as well, getting more comfortable with that. But uh, yeah, so that that was pretty much. I know you said that you were interested. In, what was my rationale for Zach? That was it. I I, did, I felt felt bad wasting someone else's time, but you know, Zach, it's it's whatever. <laughs> Damn, son, the truth finally comes out. How do you feel about that, Zach? I also got to heckle him a pretty good amount. I don't know if you've listened to that first episode. I did. Uh, I, was, but, I was picking up yeah, on it a bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like when he asked if I had any questions for him, and I just said no and just had nothing else after that. <laughs> you you said um, it almost emphatically sarcastically, if that makes sense. Yeah. I was like, like no, no, I have nothing I want to know about you. <laughs> uh but yeah no it was it was a pretty quick turnaround it was probably like 7 a.m that he texted me asking for like name feedback and then it was like 7 p.m that we had the the interview 
So it was like a 12 hour turnaround from him being like, I'm actually going to do this podcast. Tell me with a name to actually doing the first interview. So I, I think it was definitely, uh, I was definitely glad to help out. Um, and also prepare him for any potentially hostile guests in the future. Cause they weren't going to be worse than I was to him. So <laughs> yeah, I doubt anyone's going to uh, outshine an older brother as far as, uh, <laughs> as far as that goes. Right. Yeah, it's some casual professional bullying. <laughs> casual professional bullying. That that is an oxymoron in and that of itself. Uh, <laughs> so I want to hear, like, um, what has your because you've been running this podcast for a while now. Um, I want to say four months, give or take. Uh, yeah. So About last couple months? months, I haven't done a ton of episodes. I was traveling a lot for work, and. From what I from the trials and errors on hotel Wi-Fi, I'm not messing with that. So I I'm only, I only do it when I have perfect amount of time at home, which recently has which recently hasn't been a ton. But I'm looking to uh, get an off-season episode in soon, uh, because there's been a lot of roster changes. The NDA kind of wanted to go over that and discuss that as well. But uh, yeah, and I also didn't want to keep cranking out like a week episode and get myself burned out or get people burned out. I don't want to oversaturate with information, right? I wanted to leave, spread out the, the, the get, because I have a list of guests in my head that people want to have on the podcast. I didn't want to have them all immediately off the rip, right? I kind of wanted to spread out. And, uh, and in the, in the NDA discord, there's people asking, when's the next pod coming out? Or when Hunter Ford always asked me, when am I going to be on the, on the pod? I was like, it's, it'll happen. I, I don't exactly know what, I don't exactly have a plan for that, but it'll happen. It just, I don't like to generally have a uh, good reason for, I don't know if that's the correct word to have someone on the pod, like whether it be post the tournament that their team won. I know I had Catherine Mays, who's one of the top women's players. Uh, and I had her before the NDA women's event on and kind of having people who have something to talk about it, whether it be a past event, an upcoming event, kind of having, uh, have, like I said, having a reason for that, those people on just something more to talk about rather than just their dodgeball story and things like that. So um, that that was gonna, that was going to be my next question. Like, well, you've received a lot of like positive feedback since the podcast started. You pretty much shine oh, yeah, the light on that. Definitely, on that I mean, I, it, people. I know people are kind of. You know, I don't. I even talked to the NDA board about this or anyone. I kind of just said. I said, and I kind of just posted the uh, the link to my social medias and made the account and made the logo and just dropped it in the Discord. And everyone was like, whoa, what is this? Uh, people were kind of getting excited. And then I dropped an episode 12 hours later and it's been going since. And people keep asking. Whenever I would have a week in the, in the main NDA season without an episode, people would say, I would get an at message. Where, when's the next episode? Where's the episode this week? It's like, I'm 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 away at work. I don't want to record at a hotel. I'm sorry. Give, <laughs> give it a week or two. But uh, nice. yeah. So that that was kind of so people. I see. I think people really like it. I'm looking to uh, kind of boost the quality a little bit next year and uh, think of some more interesting questions and keep keep rolling with the guests. I kind of try to alternate with a well-known guest or a lesser-known guest. Like kind of, I don't want to have people. I don't want to just have the same people that you always hear from in the pitch community or people that no one's ever heard of in the pitch community. I kind of want to mix it in. Right. So I kind of want that. I know people, I've had people who for USA people say they listen to my podcast 
and they find, and they like hearing stories about NBA people they, they didn't necessarily know. So I think it's it's a great way to get exposure in the league and some of the uh, personalities within it. Nah, you definitely spot on, man. Definitely spot on. And I'm sure, like, you're going to go through, and I'm just going to say this, you're going to go through times where you're going to want to change things up a little bit, and that's okay because ultimately that's going to improve the overall product. Um, yep. But, yeah, like, <laughs> if I had known you were going to be using hotel Wi-Fi, <laughs> I would have stopped you earlier. Like, don't do it. Just don't do it. Don't yeah, risk no, it. I... <laughs> It just, like don't risk it just save some time but at least you made that mistake now to know that you know you're better off at home kind of thing yeah just made um, that mistake on zach it's fine oh yeah zach, zach can deal with it i mean he, he yeah. was the, the test the guinea pig for that one that's fine he, he can be the I, guinea pig for that sake i was on <laughs> hotel wi-fi too so it's fair were you guys in the same <laughs> hotel room or no we were not no. He was he was on travel for work in Georgia, and I was at Stonewall Nationals in Philly. Oh, okay. <laughs> if anything, just waste that waste waste his time. Um, all right. So let's talk about your individual pregame rituals, and um, we'll start with you, Zach. What's your uh, pregame ritual before uh before an event? Anything in particular you have to do? Uh, pregame ritual. I have the the finest powdered eggs whatever hotel i'm staying at will offer me um as a, as a you know breakfast of champions kind of thing um, i don't have like a pre-game playlist uh, or music or whatever hmm. um but you yeah, know i'm not a i'm not a big ritual guy as far as like warming up like i'll do my my mobility get the the heart rate up a little bit um and i'll just throw it uh one of my teammates, usually uh, Connor Angle, just because he's he's fun to throw at. Um, but I just hit him in the chest a bunch of times, and then I'll be warmed up and ready to go. <laughs> That's funny. You're a pitcher, but you don't have any um, like ritualistic superstitions you have to follow. That's interesting. Yeah, so I, I was a pitcher, but I was also always a closer or a reliever. So I never really had like the starter has like hours ahead of when they know they're going to pitch to get ready. Um, mm. I usually went from sitting on the bench in the dugout to in the game in like 10, 15 minutes. So I didn't have a ton of time for rituals. It was kind of just get loose and get on the field and start pitching because the bases are loaded. So you don't have time to be, <laughs> to be messing around with your, your music playlist or whatever. So the, the bases are loaded and you still hit the pitcher or still hit the, hit the batter. I hit the glove sometimes. You hit the glove. <laughs> yeah, no, it, that's that's why it was weird because I usually wouldn't be too wild. It'd be like two strikes right down the middle and then hit the guy in the middle of the back. And that's why people were like, why do you do this? Like, I don't know, man. Daniel, are we calling facts or cap on that? All right, that's definitely true. That's definitely facts. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Your brother bailed you out of that one. Leave it to a catcher to, to do that for their pitcher. Um what about you, Daniel? What's your uh, pregame ritual, and do you have a playlist? So, I mean, stemming – so, actually, stemming from college, uh, we would – one thing we'd always do, because we'd always be driving – a lot of times we'd be driving to tournaments, whether it be JMU, Towson, BCU, local here, Maryland, and we'd, uh, for the, we'd go to McDonald's in the mornings, right, as we so lovingly call it, Don's. And uh, 
And uh, so that was kind of a ritual. And we kind of brought that into our USA Dodgeball. And my roommate, who's just made Chaz Billick, who's also in the Grizzlies, just made the national team. Shout out, Chaz. But uh, he, I, I got him in the Dodgeball. And then we started, we went to McDonald's before a tournament and we played really well. So now we have, we're going to McDonald's on the drive to every tournament. Even if it's the night before, we got to go to McDonald's. And that's kind of our thing. And we also have a weird ritual in USA Dodgeball that uh, before our first match, Chaz will stand on one corner of the court and throw it to me on the very opposite corner of the court, and I catch it. And that's kind of a thing that we do before every game. It, 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 I don't know why we did it. We did it once, and and we played our best tournament. I was like, I guess we got to keep doing this. And so that's kind of been the thing. But for Pinch, I kind of just have – Hardest thrower, someone with those hearts. Often Zach just throw at my chest a couple of times to kind of get that sting blanket on. So then uh, catching just easy after that. But I like that term, the, 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 sting blanket. Yeah, the sting <laughs> blanket. I mean, w- once you feel the sting a little bit, you're, you're, you don't shy away from the ball at all. So I got to know because your brother mentioned he gets powdered eggs from the hotel. What's your go-to meal at McDonald's? Uh, So I like a bacon, egg, and cheese bagel. But I'm also I also like the chicken biscuits, but I'm also a bargain hunter side of the McDonald's app. So if they have buy one get one free or buy free with any breakfast sandwich you get a McGriddle or something, I'll take that too. I love the McDonald's app. Uh, there's always something free in there, even <laughs> though it makes me feel like I'm winning something when I save three dollars at mcdonald's but uh i guess it adds up if you go to mcdonald's before every tournament but that's how many <laughs> tournaments we go to i mean with how expensive they are now yeah that, that would be a yeah, win no. <laughs> no dollar menu anymore unfortunately i got like i don't know if you can see on camera i got some gray here and yeah. last time they had a dollar menu i didn't have any so it just kind of tells you how far or how long ago it's been <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, I think about that because my senior of high school, we would go after a football game, which was 2017. Uh, I would get, like, three McChickens and a large soda for, like, $4, right? And I was like, yeah, that, that wasn't that long ago. And I was like, nah, that was six years ago at this point. I just kind of was like, that's – We're getting old, like that long ago, but <laughs> – We're getting Inflation, old, man, yeah. inflation. You can just say <laughs> right. inflation as the <laughs> – um, did you have any uh, pregame music you like to listen to, or? So I kind of listen to my the my music tape. I just will kind of listen to anything at any time. I kind of don't have the restrictions. I'll listen to some kind of hype up rap when I'm relaxing, or listen to country music while I'm working out. Just kind of just like all over the place. That's kind of. So it kind of varies by the month. I'll, I'll listen to something for a month, get burned out of that genre or that artist, and then listen to something else. So it doesn't really, not really a dodgeball specific. It's really just whatever I'm on at the time. I'm on a mid 2000s kick right now. So who, who who's in your mid 2000s kick right now? So personally, I do love Taylor Swift, old Taylor Swift especially. So <laughs> I also I also love the uh, early 2000s, uh, like alt rock. Like I do love some. Uh, I do love listening like Creed or Blink-182, Three Doors Down, Daughtry, things like that. So I've been kind of on that kick because that was that's what, when I was six or seven, when I was growing up, my first music I remember was that's what my dad would listen to on the radio. So that's kind of what uh, 
<laughs> also love Nickelback, unpopular opinion, but unpopular opinion. You said you like Taylor Swift. Everyone <laughs> That's a pretty Taylor popular Swift. opinion, Sergio. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone loves it's also it also is a great was a great conversation starter in college with women. So when you there when you, you can list deep cut Taylor Swift songs, there it's a great <laughs> conversation starter. All right. I guess we can go with that uh, popular opinion. Um, Nickelback, I have nothing really against, but Taylor Swift, kind of get annoyed by her. I'm not going to lie. Um, maybe her, I, her older stuff, I will say, is, is a little bit better. I will say that. <laughs> but um, wait, uh, Zach, you said something in, the, in, the, in that exchange. You said it wasn't a popular opinion? Oh, no. I just said liking Taylor Swift is a pretty popular opinion. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe I'm in the wrong circles. Um, <laughs> so let's I'm not talk buying about... a ticket, though. Don't get me wrong. I'm not buying a ticket, but <laughs> no. that's too much. That's too yeah, much. Way too damn much. Even the nosebleeds are like two grand out here. Yeah. No. Um, so let's get into these crowdsource questions. And um, I, we kind of hinted at this, but Jeremy Bissell, any desire to play against each other? Or are you two going to always be on the same team? Uh, we might play against each other at like some, some one-off, like smaller tournaments, or if there's like a, like a hat kind of random draw thing, obviously we'd be on different teams. Um, but I have no interest in, in ever, in really departing from how the, the Grizzlies are built right now. Um, I think we have a very good balance and I like keeping Daniel on my team, uh, because he's predictable and a lot of people aren't predictable, you know, so it helps as a captain and as a, as a brother, you know, just kind of a. I like it from both both angles. That's nice. Uh, Daniel, anything you want to add to that? I mean, I just think it helps with being on the same team. It helps kind of build that team chemistry. Having a lot of our players in the same area, we can practice together, play with each other, and I don't really necessarily want to break that up. And as Zach kind of alluded to earlier, we were playing against each other for the first 17, 18 years of my life. Whenever pick up basketball – playing Xbox, whatever it would be, we'd be playing against each other. So playing with each other, I don't really feel that desire to uh, compete against <laughs> Zach in that aspect. <laughs> if anything, you guys are going to play against each other at the Turkey Bowl this Thanksgiving for sure. Opposite yeah. ends, opposite quarterbacks. <laughs> in our family, it's more likely we play against each other in the food eating contest. That's usually what <laughs> <laughs> with the cousins, but uh now you should have that contest amongst yourselves, but after dodgeball. Because I don't know, I don't know about you guys, but like me, after a tournament, like seven, eight hour tournament, I feel like Goku. Like I can eat everything off the menu, kind of thing. Yeah, if that makes sense. Like that meme of like Goku just scarfing down food. That's me after a tournament. <laughs> yeah, FTC this contest. past weekend, we went to this barbecue place that we like to go to near FTC called Hard Eight, which is. So good. I mean, like, if you've been to FTC, you've probably been to Hard Eight. But yes. uh, yeah, we we get like the the big sixteen ounce ribeye. I got like French fries, mac and cheese, onion rings, like a like a chocolate pudding cup, and like a cup of beans. And I was like, I ate all of it. And I was and it wasn't even that full. I just, I could just eat anything. And not, I mean, I just I'll eat any amount of food for dinner. I love all you can eat food places. I love all you can eat food places. But uh. All you can eat wing night. That's my thing. Ooh. But my record is 55. That's the most wings I've ever eaten in one sitting. 55. But, uh, 55? 
55 wings. I, I did I ate that once in all you can eat wing night. It was not after a dodgeball tournament though. I need I need to try that after a dodgeball tournament and see what I could get up to because I might be able to beat that record. All right. All right, we're gonna kinda steer away from that for you think you oh I I think I could take that. Oh you, you definitely might you definitely might be able to. I mean I haven't <laughs> That was in high school when we used to go with my friends every week to all you can eat. And I could, uh, I had my meth, my method down, but I think I could eat more now. I was pretty skinny in high school. Same. <laughs> now I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to challenge you on that. Um, one of these days, um, Kim Gwen, uh, what has been your favorite dodgeball moment so far, and why? Another solid uh, content creator, just for people at home to to know. Zach? Um, so my favorite moment personally was being selected for the, the Team USA practice squad, mostly because I had no expectation of even being in that kind of conversation, especially for cloth. Um, initially, I only tried out for foam. Um, and then after Atlantic City, I got a text from one of the coaches saying, would you like to try out for cloth too? And I'm like, well, I guess I have to, because if you're asking, that means I made it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was, that was a pretty great feeling. Uh, as a team, it was at probably at Nationals this year. Um, we were one of, I think, only three teams, two teams to play all seven divisions. And we made top eight in five of those divisions. And I was I was super proud of the team for that. Um, it's the culmination of a, a lot of work, a lot of tournaments, and being recognized as one of the, the top eight seeds in five of the seven divisions is pretty crazy. Wow. <laughs> that is pretty crazy. Um what about you, Daniel? Yeah, no, I I think the as a team, uh, nationals, that was probably the uh, nationals this year. That was probably when I mean we kind of, I think we kind of came into our own as a team that we we can compete. We can compete against these top teams, and as Zach said, we were I think we were second in most. Uh, Division in the top eight, only behind Anarchy, which probably the best team there is out there across all ball types. But uh, yes, yeah, so, I mean that was that was a really proud moment for us, and kind of a culmination of all the work we put in the season. A lot of tournaments, some tournaments we played better, some, some tournaments we performed below our expectations. But uh, we we put that work in, and we were able to qualify. And considering where we we're from last year, we won a single playoff game. All last USA dodgeball season, we made one quarterfinal, and this past year, we made semifinals a bunch. We made our first finals. I mean, we were at least in the quarterfinals in every single tournament, even at the huge tournaments. So I think that was really just a uh, big accomplishment for us, and really cementing ourselves as one of those teams that nobody can mess around playing against, and kind of they have to put in their all to beat us, which I think coming from where we were last year is a huge step up and we have a really young team um zach is one of our older players at 26 which in usa dodgeball is still baby age so i think that we have a lot more room to grow than a, a lot of the other teams currently in the league and i think uh kind of that 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 idea will come to fruition in the next year or two so i think there could be some big things coming from our group I just want to fact check a couple of those things. I'm 25. Thank you very much. Um, 
And before somebody yells at Daniel for his his uh, statement about our placings, I think we were between third and sixth in every uh, top division we made top eight for in nationals. So no second places, but still some pretty solid finishes. Still some solid finishes, and you're 25 for the record. And I am 20, 20 and for just under two more months, I'm 25. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, you holding on to that thing real, <laughs> real <tight. laughs> You know I was going to cut that in post. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, wow, you can see the brotherly love right here. Um, Perry Hall, what NDA and CDA rule would you implement into the USA WDBF rule set and vice versa to improve both versions of high-level dodgeball? You can only get one change. For, okay, you, I think he meant to say you, can, you only get one change for each, so make it count. All right. I think I have a pretty good opinion on this one. Go for um, it. So the, the NDA, uh, their ricochet rule is if a ball hits you, pops up, your teammate catches it, and it's called a team catch, you're safe. Um, but the thrower's not out, and you don't get a player back in. And I think bringing that to USA Dodgeball would be a positive because it really limits the impact that luck has on the game while still meaning that you have to like help your teammates. And if you see a pop-up, you still should go for it because you're saving your teammate. Um, but it, you can't, there's no, like, there's no, like, triple kills. Like, there's no repercussions if you die for it and miss it. So it, it honestly encourages helping your teammates out more there. Because if you drop it, it doesn't punish you at all. Um, and then as far as, yeah. And then as far as from USA Dodgeball to NDA, I think the NDA should adopt uh, hard boundaries just for refereeing purposes. Um, because a lot of people like to walk on the sideline with like one foot inbounds and one foot out of bounds and they just pick up the foot that's inbounds a lot. And a lot of refs don't call it because they're like paying close enough attention because it's hard to watch. Um, it's hard to watch like everybody's feet because there's so many people on the court. Um, so I think implementing hard boundaries would definitely help kind of keep everyone actually inbounds. I actually like that rule, that, that, that suggestion to eliminate luck from, uh, from some of these games, because I think that would be that would definitely change the meta of how premier matches would go, if that makes sense. If you eliminate some luck out of the equation, I didn't actually think about that. That's actually really, really solid. Um, yeah, I mean, I, everyone's everyone's had a pop up. Like you hit a guy on the left side, it bounces <clears> four people over, and it gets caught, and now you're out somehow, despite the fact <laughs> that you just you beat the guy, but now you're being punished for it. <laughs> What about you, Daniel? Yeah, that does suck. <laughs> okay, yeah. So for the NDA rule I'd put in USA Dodgeball, it would definitely be the – yeah, so if you get hit, there's no double hits, no ricochet catches, right? And also another thing on that rule is if you block a ball, I know some leagues – I know like Stonewall has this, and then pinch, all pinch leagues have it, but uh, if you block a ball and it hits your teammate, they're safe. But if you block in yourself, you're still out. So the so the ball is only live for the intended target, which I think is a good thing. It adds another aspect of teamwork and strategy because often the NCDA NDA, you'll see people diving. They'll, they'll see their teammate getting crossed and they'll dive and kind of block the ball with their ball. And it might ricochet in their teammate, but they're safe still, which I think is a great rule to include. So that it, that's kind of another thing stemming off the ricochet rule, which I think would kind of eliminate the aspect of luck and might include more strategy, right? But to kind of, I'm not really trying to say hard boundaries again. I do think hard boundaries should be implemented 
for the refing purposes primarily, but also I think NDA should adopt some form of a clear line. Currently, there's good, they have a competitive rush. The ball setup is three, two, three. So there's two balls that are competitive rush in the middle, which I mean, I think is great. I think balls, there should be a competitive rush. I don't think, I, I don't necessarily love the idea where teams can get free balls and can just walk up there. But I think very often in a competitive rush, if you don't win it, or even if you do win it, you just get smoked immediately by one of the people who picks up the balls on the other side, which kind of eliminates uh skill aspect and might start the point down with an initial flurry. It might be five, six, might lose two or three players on each side, which is kind of, I don't think is great and necessarily shows the better team because, you know, when you're just launching balls back and forth from 10 feet away, it's kind of just havoc and not as much, uh, which team is better strategy, which team is more talented, things like that. So I think maybe a clear line for those competitive rush. Like for example, you have to clear it back past the attack line before you can throw those middle balls would be good. But, uh, yeah, so that, that's, that's kind of what I would implement, but, uh, Ricochet, no more ricochets is definitely something that I want in USA Dodgeball. I don't think it will happen, but <laughs> because that is a WDBF rule, and I don't think they would change something away from WDBF, but I would love it if it did happen. <laughs> so it's a bit of a consensus between the two of you. Yeah. Um, Derek Smith, who is the better dodgeball brother? Love you both, by the way. Uh, Kyle Harkins chimed in. Uh, he loves and agrees with this. So just kind of putting you guys on the spot. <laughs> Who's the better dodgeball brother? Zach's definitely more consistent. I will say that. I have blurry points and not as much consistency, which I'm trying to work on. But Zach's definitely a more consistent anchor, I will say. Okay. And uh, I will say I, I know which of us uh, Kyle is more scared of especially playing no sting. Um, <laughs> I, I've left a few big red circles on that guy's uh, like upper chest and neck area. So I, I definitely know his opinion on the matter. <laughs> uh, that, that, that's, the, that's a little homie, man. That's a little homie. Um, and you guys both know Derek Smith, obviously. Yeah, you played with us at FTC. FTC and the tournament we had in New Jersey a couple weeks ago. How's it, like, how's it like having him on, uh, on the team for you guys? Solid vibes? Oh, fantastic vibes. Uh, he played out of the middle for us, where with Illusion, he usually plays on the corner. And he's he played great out of the middle. He's got a great arm. He's such a great athlete. Um, just giving him that freedom to just move around and kind of do his own thing in the middle, I think, um, kind of let him express his abilities to the, the fullest extent there. Agreed. Um, I know that there was a stream set up uh, for FDC, but it kind of went out at some point yeah. um, for the people at home. But... I did catch a Grizzlies matchup and um, or rather a matchup where you guys were on there. I don't know. You guys didn't. Did you guys go in as uh, Grizzlies? Yep. Okay. You guys did. Okay. Um, yeah. And I saw him. It's pretty easy to spot. So his creative expression was very evident on film when it was set up and, and whatnot. Um, Brittany Anderson, what are you most proud of dodgeball wise of the other? Okay. So this is a very interesting question. Um, so, Zach, what are you more proud of of uh, Daniel and vice versa? I mean, it's got to be how he kept the Maryland club alive. When he says he had four players, it was it was literally him plus three people. And he needed, you need a roster of like 15 to 18 for an NCDA team. 
Um, and he not only scrounged together a dozen extra uh, freshmen and sophomores mostly, but he made them into, I'm not going to say the most competitive team because they were all first year players. Um, but he made them into a real team by the end of one season. And that's an incredible achievement that I don't think um, people, even in CDA circles, talk about enough. Yeah. Um, to pretty much be like a phoenix and rise from the ashes after a pandemic year or two, you had an insurmountable task there, Daniel. Um, this should be highlighted for, for the record and for future prosperity. So what about you, Daniel? What are you more proud of? Um, of Zach in the dodgeball realm? Um, I'm proud of Zach as a was selected for Team USA practice squad and will be uh, playing on in Houston on the USAB team for cloth, which I'm really proud of him for doing that and also building the Grizzlies and and staying with us and being uh, finding practice gyms, doing all the extra work to kind of get keep the team competitive, keep the team growing and different things like that. And uh, pretty much all the legwork for anything administrative with the Grizzlies is done by Zach. So I really appreciate that. And uh, yeah, and I'm I'm proud of Zach for everything he'll do in the future for uh, the Grizzlies as well as making Team USA in the future, which I'm sure he will do. Although I do think I still stand by the fact, and if it wasn't evident FCC this weekend, he should be on foam. He's good at cloth as well, but I think he's better than at least seven or eight players on the phone practice squad. So that's just my opinion. But uh Hey roll with him, anyways. man. Say it with your chest. You got it. <laughs> Say it with your chest, son. Go ahead. Yeah, give me yeah, names, not... Daniel. Who am I better than there, 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 I, I feel I feel like there's a lot of the uh Andrew catch the... drop it on the table. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I feel like they just put the whole roster of the top three or four foam teams and Zach was better than probably half the players on those rosters. But uh I mean, I just like he. I mean, he nearly did a five on one on shred in our playoff game and had a one on one with Jeff Geo for like three or four minutes. And you can, he took out multiple Team USA players in that. And you can't, you have to be a great player to be able to do that. So, I mean, it's just, he, and, and Zach does something like that every time we play film. So I think that's just, anyways, yeah, you don't see all the people on, on the team doing that. But, anyways, that that's what we call having receipts, people. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I love how Zach was like, name them. Who am I better than? I'm better than your favorite. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Who, who do like you think is the best? Yeah. <laughs> Whoever you think is the best, I'm their favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your favorite's rapper, favorite rapper. <laughs> uh, Kyle Harkins, the best tournament or tournaments you've ever been to, where and why? Um. Well, so the best tournaments I've ever been to in terms of just like overall produ production has to be um, USA Nationals this past year. Uh, it was just really well put together. It was managing a ridiculous number of teams and people, and I think it all went um, really smoothly. And I also had a lot of fun there because we played really well. So that was good, too. For sure. So you're going to go with this past year's USA Nationals? Yeah, definitely. What about you, Daniel? Yes, yeah, so I, I would also agree this past year's USA Nationals, but I will say NDA Nationals this past year was Zach didn't get the opportunity to go to as it was the same weekend as the Team USA practice squad event in Phoenix. But uh, that was a, a very well-done tournament. There was five courts. All courts had streams. I think there were 17 or 18 teams. Um, 
it went it went timely it went all very everything went very well it was a great great location great great job organizing it by the nda staff and it was really good to have the whole community there and the, the hotel had a brewery on site and was literally 10 feet from the venue and it was just a, a great great event all around it was really good to kind of uh have the opportunity to bond with people that who might live in Michigan that I don't get to see often, right? Or if I do get to see them, it's on the other side of court or in passing at a tournament. I don't necessarily get to connect and talk with them. So that was that was a really great tournament that I really enjoyed. And I think Zach might might say something similar if he were able to attend that. Oh, that sucks, man. Um, I kind of want to, uh, before we go to the next question, I kind of want to get your opinion on, on that, uh, the, the crowd like would you like how engaged were the crowd watching throughout and especially in the finals i mean yeah the crowd the crowd really engaged pretty much every time that there was a anything more than just a normal the most basic kill any any type of big time killer catch there was a big uproar and i think there was a fair amount of people rooting for each side and uh I think that really added to the – it wasn't a one-sided crowd, so there wasn't silence when one team did something. It was really back and forth, and the game – the team's pretty much trading points until Kraken took two in a row to win the game. I think really added to it, and it was just a really engaging atmosphere. So I think that was really good as well. And it was, it was throughout the throughout the time because not all, not all the teams were on at once, right? There's Teams were off, and throughout the whole tournament, even – all five courts had people watching and friends, family from the area, everyone, there's a bunch of people attending, a bunch of people, as you said earlier, who weren't even playing, attending, watching and cheering on their their friends and playing in the tournament. So I think that was a really good opportunity. And it was nice that we could have a bunch of bleachers around each court, as well as a stream on, whether it be on YouTube or Twitch for every court. So every game got coverage. It wasn't just the main court that got coverage, which is, I think, something that, I'm not exactly sure how USA Dodgeball would pull that off. I know they had some streaming issues this year, but I think that's a thing that NDA does really well is getting the streams ready. I mean, even if it's a phone camera on someone's YouTube channel, it's better than not having any evidence that, that game happened, right? Right. Um, and, yeah. and I will say the next step, tailgating. That's going to happen. Tailgating. <laughs> NDA tailgating. I say what it is. It ch- Zach is over here laughing at me. No, I, <laughs> I know his camera ain't on, but I know he's laughing at me. But yes, tailgating people. That's what we need. We get that real crowd environment going from from the start. Um, all right, Joe Tats. What rule would you take away if you could make the sport more fun for the spectators? More fun for the spectators. I mean. I don't know if this counts as taking away or I'll move that attack line up. Get some real close range dodgeball. <laughs> give me, give me, give me. They, they said they thought twenty five foot foam was bad. Give me fifteen foot foam. Oof. Just, just absolute bullets. <laughs> blood sport foam dodgeball. Let me see that. <laughs> blood sport foam dodgeball. I love it. Zach, you one of my favorite people, Zach. I like. That. <laughs> you just want to hit people at the mound. That's what it is. Yeah. i've never hidden that (laughs) so i will say moving up the attack lines we've heard the sergiano if you saw at the uh nda lancaster event which zach and i were mostly in charge of organizing and running 
um, we decided to do a small showdown tournament with two representatives from each team. So we made a and a pinch showdown with twenty foot attack lines and a five foot neutral zone, Oof. and so it was twenty foot pinch. And after normal like normal elite showdown, you'd reset right. So after each person, people could only block with their ball that they had in hand at first. So after they threw those, another ball would be rolled into them, and then it'd be no block. So it was no blocking, 20-foot pinch, and that was electric. It was pretty much just a thumping headshot or a catch every single play, and it was electric form of dodgeball. And Zach can attest to that. It, it, was, it was just so fun to watch, and it was really a nice break between the round-robin and playoffs, and it was, it was just so exciting. And there's really anyone from that distance, anyone can win. If you can catch, you can win, or if you can anyone can throw from that distance and it's really it was really cool to see i just got two questions as a follow-up one who won that if you can recall and two how come the the last two guests i had on didn't mention that because <laughs> that sounds fun yeah so you guys had a showdown brady eck uh, brady eck is a one of cleveland spartans one he's a penn state alum he's actually my year he he ended up winning but it was really a uh I mean, it was really anyone can win type of game, right? Because everyone is a pretty solid dodgeball player, and they can all catch and throw. So, I mean, it was there was there was a bunch of there's upsets and a bunch of different people uh, making highlight plays, and that was really cool. But it was the only event we ran it at because we we were just like, can we do this? And the board was like, um, it wasn't necessarily our first thought, but sure. And we did it and it was really fun. And I thought, I think the crowd was really engaged and it was a nice kind of way to lighten the mood and make the event just a little more fun. And because it was very intense otherwise. That's awesome, man. I'm, I'm just thinking of like how you explained it, the format. I feel like it creates, a, and this is going to be me being kind of nerdy, uh, re- referencing League of Legends, is it creates that late game excitement. Yeah. Because yeah. you know it's going to end at one point and it's going to end explosively. Yeah, it's like when you see the, when people are having that one-on-one and they both end up kind of caught out by each other in the neutral zone, like five or ten feet away. <laughs> and just kind of that, you either dodge for your life and, you better hit the guy or you have one ball. You better hit the guy because he's going to hit you if you miss, right? That kind of that kind of <laughs> highlight play. And that was really the whole thing. And I think that was pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Definitely. So I wish I wish I could. I wish I had known about that because I definitely would have brought it up um, when I had them on. Uh, Shota Barboa, not a question. He just wanted to say you guys are solid dudes. Joe Martinez agrees. Um, yeah. And I said and I stand by this statement. Solid brothers and the Vince Scully of the NDA. <laughs> I said what I said. So <laughs> I, I genuinely believe in your in, in your content and what you're doing. And um, I guess as, I, I guess you could say as the grandfather of, of, of in, in some ways like content creating. I, I definitely see a bright future for you and the NDA. So if it if the league does explode, you had a hand in that. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, that's the goal. Um, Tim Bethard. What is your favorite? Okay, this is the same thing. Okay, no, actually, this is there has to be a story with this one. What was yeah. your favorite <laughs> tournament, and why was it the twenty twenty two Northern Invasion weekend? 
Daniel, so, you hinted at <laughs> the $2,000 prize was nice. Okay, um, so explain. What was this? Uh, what was it? Northern Invasion, right? Yeah, so Northern Invasion was a tournament that the uh, the Cleveland Spartans hosted uh, last November. It was two days. It was like, I think it was no sing, eight, five, cloth, and then pinch in that order. Hmm. Um, and it was a lot of uh, NCDA people playing in that. So I think Corruption won no sting. They barely, they won in like game seven of the best of seven against us. And we won eight, five in cloth. And then Spartans won pinch. Um, but yeah, we brought both Bethard brothers, Will and Tim out, uh, me and Daniel, and then Connor Angle, uh, Sean Sullivan, who's a current pinch grizzly. And then uh, one of the other current Maryland players, uh, Caleb Dixon. And we... I don't or I think our round robin record on the weekend was like twenty seven and two. Like it was just it was a very dominant tournament. Uh it was it was pretty clear that the pinch guys were just not ready to play against experienced eight five in cloth and no sting players. Because <laughs> they were still like like they were trying to learn how to how to hold a cloth ball. Um while we were all like, Yeah, all of us are like going for Team USA next year. <laughs> like we're <laughs> nobody's new to this year. Uh, so yeah, that's that's why Tim liked it because it was a lot of fun. And like Daniel mentioned, there was a, a $2,000 uh, uh, prize pool there because we got a thousand for each division we won, uh, which I know most dodgeball tournaments have nowhere near that if they have any money at all. No. So, no. so you guys took home some, uh, some grain. Yeah, yeah. We took home two grand in cash because the, <laughs> the, the director, Joe Walsh wanted to bring it out in cash instead of just like Venmoing everybody. So I thought that was fun. Got to take a picture with just 20 hundreds. <laughs> you, you guys were on the picture like this, just like flashing it right there. <laughs> yeah. It's, That's exactly it's on the Grizzlies was. Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's on the, okay. I'm definitely going on there. I want to see who was. Yeah, it's, on the, it's, on the, it's, it's at least on the Facebook. I know it's, it's at least on the Facebook, but <laughs> Oh, that's nice. Um, I can't believe I didn't hear about this. This is so, so weird. Uh, Dan Kelly, what warm-ups do you do to prep for days, for a few days before a tournament? Um, so I can take this one. I know Daniel doesn't really have a specific warm-ups he does leading up to a tournament. He just kind of shows up and lets the, the hypermobility and youth <laughs> carry him forward. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so usually I'll, I'll do my last like weight training session for the week on Monday or Tuesday before a tournament. Uh, the days leading up to it, I'll just do my normal kind of stretching and mobility. And then day of, I just kind of do full body mobility and then um, just a couple shoulder exercises just to get some, some blood flow, a little bit of lactic acid going in the shoulders. And then I'll just start throwing and I'll be ready to go from there. <laughs> yeah. I think this question was directed at you because you seem to be more the scientific one. Um. Yeah, no, I, I think that's accurate. I think if uh, <laughs> if I could make um, a good living working not ridiculous hours as a as like an athletic trainer, I'd definitely be doing that. <laughs> um, Casey Salomon, um, why a bear? I think she's asking why DMV Grizzlies, why not DMV Falcons or tortoises or. Yeah, so we, we kind of answered this uh, earlier, but I inherited the team. I didn't name it. Um, and then we just kind of kept the name because it's a brand that, one, already exists, and two, kind of 
is a, a consistent shout out to Shadid, who's a good friend of ours and obviously founded the team. So we don't want to we don't want to erase what he built, even though I've turned over, I think, all but one member of the roster at this point, uh, just with retirements and such. But yeah, that's why we have a, a Grizzly. Anything you want to add to that, uh, Daniel? Uh, nope, that's that's pretty Thanks. much it. I mean, it was the it was the original name, yeah, logo, and we want and we still had last year. We still, I mean, we still have Matt Bosco as well, who was original Grizzlies member even before Zach was there on the roster. But uh, yeah, it's kind of keeping that name going and paying tribute to Shadid, our founder. He's he's a good friend of ours from NCDA, and he he's he got back into dodgeball playing NBA with Virginia Venom this year. So. Oh, that's great. Great great guy, Shadid is. Yeah, we just talked about it, how the NDA is bringing players out of retirement to join. That's yep. actually a, a solid uh, nod to that fact. Um, I'm going to skip Kevin Bailey's question because that's going to be the last question, or one of the last questions I ask. This one kind of strikes me. Sean McMahon, why are you guys so mean to Connor Angle? <laughs> so Connor Angle is... Currently, his last semester at Maryland, he was the team president who took over from me. So he's a year younger than me at Maryland Dodgeball. And now he's on this past season. We He came to the Grizzlies, the USA Grizzlies, uh, full-time. We had him play in some one-off tournaments prior to that. But uh, so Connor very much has – and this is not just respectful of Connor at all. He will 100% agree with this. He is very much a golden retriever. And – He's kind of has that energy, that kind of spacey, go do something, don't think energy. But uh, and he says, if he's on the court, you have to yell at him, or else he won't hear what you're saying because he just won't pay attention. He just won't be focusing it. He won't be focused enough to hear it. <laughs> so it might seem like we're mean, but he tells people to yell at him if they if they want his attention on the court. So it might seem mean from outside. And and Sean McMahon knows this. He played with us in the Philly tournament when we were yelling at Connor and sometimes Connor would like hold the ball in the middle and not split to the corner. And we're like, Connor, give the ball. But that's kind of just the, uh, he, he just kind of encourages people to yell at him to get his attention, which I guess is fine, but it might seem mean for someone who doesn't know the <laughs> inside story, but we love Connor though. Zach, you, you're going to double down on that or are you going to call cap on whatever Daniel said? <laughs> that's, that's absolutely accurate. Connor <laughs> is also the, uh, the last, um, Maryland player that I recruited. Um, I guess, you know, he is the last one that I recruited. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've been part of every step of uh, Connor's dodgeball journey, and the, uh, the you have to yell at him if you want his attention on the court has always been true. <laughs> He's a phenomenal <laughs> athlete, so he usually does fine on his own, but sometimes you just got to bring him back to earth a little bit. So he's kind of like uh, Daniel mentioned. He's kind of like a golden retriever. So he's prone to having zoomies on the court. Yeah, except his zoomies take the place of the the form of some of the most like ridiculous physical feats you'll ever see in a dodgeball court. Like we, for example, at Philly, we were like he was trying to learn how to catch foam because he was still adjusting from only playing pinch, uh, and he was trying to use his uh, body more because he kept like reaching for it because the ball is so small. He's like, I can just get my hands on it. Um, so before a game against Illusion, I was like, Connor, keep your elbows in tight. If the ball doesn't hit your torso, don't move your hand. He's like, okay. And the first play of the game, Derek whips a ball. Derek Smith whips a ball. And of course he throws gas and it moves in bizarre ways. And it's like 
three feet over Connor's head and he just reaches straight up and catches it with both hands. And I'm like, I guess, I guess do that. I don't know. I don't know why I try to teach you if you're going to do stuff like that. <laughs> Derek was so stunned. He was like, just, okay, sure, I guess. Derek, the the same Derek that asked one of the questions, Derek Smith? Yes. Yeah, that, that same Derek, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, for one, I know that guy can throw gas, so he's legit. And two, I mean... It it, it it seems we've established two things. One, on the surface, it sounds like you guys are being mean, but you're not. Yeah. Two, he's just not a real human being at this point. If he's able to do that <laughs> seemingly out of nowhere, he's not real. He, we're in the Matrix. He's not real. <laughs> he, he definitely makes some plays where it's like, all right, so 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 – Whatever the powers that be makes that makes athletes, they just gave him a little extra juice in that category because, like, I don't – he didn't train for that. That was, like, the third foam catch he's ever had. He just snagged a bullet, like, three feet over his head. I'm like, sure, whatever, Connor, you do you. <laughs> now, now you just have to be mean to him just to bring him down to earth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, of course, I also I also uh, clipped that highlight from the, the, the game film and sent it to him because he's got to have that. Oh damn! That's awesome. I to Connor. That is not not to Derek. <laughs> oh, I mean, it would have it wouldn't have mattered either way. I would have been laughing regardless. <laughs> I would I would send that to Derek on his birthday just to you know playfully troll. <laughs> I might have to do that. <laughs> you have a soul. I'll, I'll give you credit. Um, Kevin Bailey, who has the <laughs> hold on? I got I got a. I gotta get through this question. Who has a winning record all time in sibling fights? I mean, define define win, because you know, being two and a half years older, I was bigger for most of them. But he's also the younger sibling, so even if I even if I won the fist fight, I lost what came after, you know. So <laughs> when when the parents got involved, I was usually losing. Uh that's actually really good. Um... <laughs> That's a really good uh, breakdown right there. All right, so you might have won the first round, but he wins the late game. Got it. And Felix Peroni with one of his classic questions. For breakfast every morning, would you rather eat unfrosted strawberry Pop-Tarts or cherry toaster strudel with no icing? What is it with him in these questions? All right, you can, you can start off with this, Zach. Which one would you rather have? Uh, unfrosted... Pop tart or a strudel with no icing. I, See, I already got I, an answer to this. I already got this. I, I immediately had an answer to this. I have a very strong opinion on this. Toaster strudels in any form are absolute garbage and should only go straight in the garbage. Wow. The answer is the answer is a strawberry pop tart. I don't care if it has no frosting. I don't care if you pour I don't know, just like hot sauce on it, whatever the nastiest hot food sauce. condiment you could imagine on top. I'm still taking the pop tart over the toaster strudel, just just open and shut. It's just a superior. Wow. I, I guess in the legal sense, food. I don't know if it's really food, uh, but it's a superior item that you can eat. You know. What about you, Daniel? I, I would say pop tarts as well. I just like pop tarts much more. I've never been a big toaster strudel guy, and there's points in my life where I ate pop tarts fairly frequently. So. Definitely Pop-Tarts in that one. Well, I would normally go Pop-Tarts, but he said, was it unfrozen? Let me see. He said, un- he said unfrosted. Unfrosted. Yeah. unfrosted. Unfrosted. Oh, okay, okay. So I, 
Okay, that kind of changes my answer. Okay, unfrosted strawberry popped. Okay, I would go because I don't know why I read that as unfrozen, like it was still kind of icy. No. All right. Yeah. I I, I regress. I I, I take back my, my uh, previous answer and go with the pop tart as well. Um, pop tarts are definitely superior. Uh, strudels are nice, but yeah, we're just gonna go with uh, the correct answer here because I didn't read it correctly apparently. <laughs> I was about ready to go. I was about to go ready to go ham on both of you guys, but then I read that thing again. I'm like, okay, no, they're on a point. They're, they got a point on this. <laughs> so um, yeah, winning record fights. Okay, of course it had to be Kevin Bailey to ask that one. Um, so safe to assume we both had it, or all three of us had a lot of fun with this <laughs> recording. Um, but I want to ask you both the legacy question. So. And this will be individual, obviously. Um, what would you like your legacy to be after you leave the game or play your final game? We'll start with Zach. Okay, so I would, if I could have it be one thing, it's more people playing all forms of dodgeball, um, less specialization. One, because it lets you meet more people if you play everything. Uh, and I also just think it makes you a better player. And at the end of the day, dodgeball is dodgeball. I don't care if it's a foam ball, a pinch ball, a cloth ball, a cinder block. Like, it's it's the same game, you know? And if you're good at one, you might not be good at another initially, but if you put in a little bit of work, you'll be good at all of them. Um, I like to think I'm a pretty solid player at all the ball types I play, and I feel like that's pretty unique, and I feel like everybody should at least uh, – Everybody should be involved in, I think, every form of dodgeball, at least at some point. Nice. And what about you, Daniel? What would you like your legacy to be? Yeah, and uh, I definitely agree with uh, Zach, although I will say I want, by the time I'm done playing dodgeball, to be, I want, I know this is often a thing that's, Kevin Bailey likes to regurgitate a bunch as kind of he wants dodgeball to grow past the point where he can play competitively. And, by the time I'm done playing dodgeball, I want to be able – I want dodgeball to be at a point where I can no longer compete. I can no longer even compete at the mediocre level at the top – in, like, the top leagues, right? I can no longer even be an okay player in the top leagues, much less a good player. That's kind of the point I want dodgeball to grow and get to. I want more real athletes participating. And this kind of a funny thing that I like to say, I like, as we say – especially in like basketball debates or like, oh, they played against plumbers, right? Like that, that kind of thing. In 40 years, I want whatever the kids those, those days to say, oh yeah, that guy played against plumbers. I want to be one of the people they say they played against plumbers, right? Like that's kind of what I want dodgeball to be the point where it's a real sport, where it's in the Olympics, people are getting full-time playing dodgeball and things like that. And that that would be the ideal. I mean, that that that's what I'm pushing for. And that's why I really... That's why I help out administratively with uh, the NCDA and the NDA because I want dodgeball to grow and I want to uh, get better athletes and get more people exposed. I don't want it to be a niche sport anymore. For sure. Um, that's a solid way to wrap it up there. Um, <clears throat> for you, Zach, in talking to you, I can honestly say your passion was evident in the first five minutes of talking to you. Um, you definitely seem like what I call like 
like those old school like kung fu movies where you have that lone warrior testing himself against a variety of styles. That's where I see Zach. He's just testing himself in a variety of styles and a variety of formats, but ultimately for the same goal to improve upon yourself and to improve upon your skill set and to bring something different to the table every time you take the floor for the Grizzlies. And then now for USA Dodgeball, um, I see that passion in you and I see that drive in you and it's very evident. And I think by the time your, your story is done, you'll definitely go down as a very influential captain and, you know, definitely one of the greats for sure. If not one of the most passionate people, people should read up on <laughs> once we get a dodgeball book going, so to speak, because it's very evident. You're not, you may have your preference as far as 8.5 goes and we all have our preferences wherever we started, but you're not afraid to push your own boundaries and push your own comfort level and learn a new skill and honestly risk sucking so to speak uh, because of your love of the game and that's you got you got balls man and i congratulate you on making the practice squad it's well deserved and uh i wish you nothing but future success and hopefully to see fernald on the back of a usa jersey um i think that would be uh, a milestone in and that of itself because only a handful of people can say that that they have an international jersey with their name on it but you earned it or you will earn it, I should say, if I had anything to say about that. Um, for you, Daniel, um, it seems like you have, you're pretty much <laughs> grimy dodgeball. And I think that's the best way to describe you. But you're also, you're in the trenches of the uh, logistics side. You're in the trenches of trying to help grow the sport outside of yourself, outside of your skill level, outside of what you see in front of you outside of the current product that we're in now and then i also admire the fact that you have a podcast dedicated to an upstart league that i have a lot of faith in i said this when i was with um kevin and felix like i have a lot of faith in what they're doing not just because i've known them for a long time but because i've seen the product develop in the course of a year mm -hmm. i don't know if you noticed um i took a lot of notes prior to recording that and that was just because, like, even though I couldn't see all the streams, I was taking notes on you guys. I was taking, like, I was, I was giving you guys attention, even though I didn't say it outright, if that makes sense. I wanted to wait for the year to be over to kind of encompass all that. And you had a hand in that. I think you were in that thank you letter um, that Felix posted. Uh, yeah, it was definitely you. Um, and... I think if anything, you're, you're going to be very instrumental in the growth of the league, growth of the growth of the game and through your content through 70 feet. Um, I admire what you're doing. It takes a lot of guts to put yourself out there um, to get the praise and maybe some criticism, but you're putting out a solid product and you're investing in that. And I, I, I can only see many more episodes for you, many more growth. Because if the NDA blows up the way I think you can, you're going to have a major hand in that through the content and through the logistics that you do behind the scenes, as well as through your skill on the court, because you're going to inspire the next generation of grimy players to dig trenches on hardwood that otherwise wouldn't be there. But that also encompasses your attitude. You're willing to do whatever it takes. You're willing to do what you need to do. Maybe not the pretty work, you know, maybe not the 
maybe not the highlight sexy crossover type play, but you're doing the grimy work. You're you're doing the Dennis Rodman work. You're doing that <laughs> that Patrick Beverly work. You're doing that work that like goes unnoticed, but you see it. You know, if you're on that team, you see it. If you're on the opposite end of the spectrum, opposite end of the court, you see it. You know, people will say, yeah, he's a solid catcher, but you give your teams more opportunities and not to succeed because you're willing to go as low as it takes, so to speak, to get the job done. And I think whether it's NDA, whether it's USA, whether it's, dare I say, on the international front, you're going to do a lot of things that people may not pay attention to, but people will say, you know what, that was an impact play. That was an intangible play. That's not something that's going to be a box score per se, but you bring a lot of intangibles with you and you have a lot of heart um, with your content. And for that, I do want to say, like, keep it up. And for anyone who listens to this one, if you got, if you guys want to listen to the, the NDA side of things, I can't recommend Daniel's podcast enough. I mean, he's one of my, you know, other than Kim, uh, he's one of my favorite uh, podcasters I've listened to. I'm trying to catch up on, um, but you're doing great work, man. And I, I do mean when I say like baseball, Dodgers baseball grew with Vince Scully. NDA is going to grow with Daniel Fernald, Fernald. So, I, <laughs> um, there's going to be some low points, I'm sure, that you're going to face personally or, or creative wise. But I want you to know that the product you are pushing out is being supported. The the, the people your Discord has more receipts than I can have access to, but there's people there that are supporting it, and you're worth the wait. <laughs> you're worth the wait, whether it's every other week or every other month when you're not in a hotel wi-fi your content is worth the wait and i will say that for not just you but for everyone listening right now i thank i appreciate the kind words and the idea uh, <laughs> yeah that's a lot but i really appreciate that then it, it, it feels good to have someone to know that someone especially a a peer in the uh dodgeball podcast group uh <laughs> appreciates the podcast and and shares the same vision that I do. And I really appreciate everything you do with the dodgeball podcast and all the people you inspire to love dodgeball more and help share the different stories of people across the world who play dodgeball. So, yeah, I, I do mean across the world, there's a lot yeah. of people that are going to know who you are because of this episode. And I feel privileged in, in doing that. Um, with that, that was- Oh, that was a, that was a heck of a speech, Sergio. <laughs> you got me, got me Zach, getting emotional Zach crying? over here. <laughs> Zach is crying right now. No. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what what did you think? Clearly, that that affected you in some way. What I said about you, what I said about your brother, Zach. Yeah, no, it just it, I don't know. It, it it touched me. I feel I feel like that's um, a way that. I haven't been described dodgeball wise before. And I feel like it's, I don't know. I feel like it's pretty accurate. Like I am very (laughs) passionate towards the sport, towards improving myself, but also kind of forcing other people to come out of their comfort zone too. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I just, I, I really enjoy dragging, especially pinch guys into other forms and just watching them just fall in love with it from there and realize that there's just, there's a big world of dodgeball out there. Um, and watching them feel that same passion that I feel. So nice to hear it said from someone else. For sure. Um, 
So I like to do this whenever I have other content creators on, because um, I know it's 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 it. And Daniel, you could probably attest to this now, having already been through the experience. It's kind of different being on the other end of the uh, on the other seat, so to speak, not hosting and having the questions directed at you, right? Yeah, definitely. And I, I'm definitely taking notes on some of the different questions you asked and how you've <laughs> gone off different questions. And I'll definitely apply that to my next podcast. So. I'm so gonna, I'm I'm definitely gonna give you some credit when I shout them out. I'll definitely give you a shout out on the next show of podcast if, if I see some of your questions. But uh, yeah, no, it, it definitely is different, and uh, I tried to talk less about myself in my podcast and try to keep it focused on the guests. So I, it is nice to be able to tell my story and kind of put that out there because I I feel like a lot of people know me, but they don't necessarily know the background as much, which I think it's really cool to be able to talk about that. For sure. So I know it takes a a certain switch to flip in your head um, to allow yourself to be hosted and not have to do any hosting duties, but I'll flip the script and throw myself under the bus, so to speak, and be vulnerable to both of you guys. So um, if you guys had one question or so you guys wanted to ask me whether something you both thought up or something individually, I say go for it. Um, so I can go first. Uh, go what was the thing of either or both of us that first caught your interest? At first, it <clears throat> at first it was, um, so this I want to say two weeks ago when Active Squad's being announced. Um, I want to say it, it might have been announced a lot earlier, but I want to say it was two weeks ago when I saw it. Um, I was already aware of Daniel's podcast and I started binging it like last or early October. I started binging like the first like couple episodes. I got to like episode five, I believe as of now, and you were the first guest. And I was like, oh, this is just, this is like the universe working together kind of thing. Like, oh, wow. I see Zach's name on the, on the practice squad and I also see him as the first guest. And I think that was recorded before the announcement, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it was recorded about a month after. So they announced it like mid-June and we recorded that like mid-July. Okay. So I, I guess I was a little bit late to the party then. Because um, at least the, the way the timing worked for me, I was like, this is great that, you know, a podcast is coming out for the NDA, but they also have a USA practice player on the team and their brothers. So just kind of like how that like trifecta kind of all hit. And um, I was like, let me just hit these both these guys up and, and see what's up. You know what I mean? Let's let's see if they're both willing to do one together or if I would have to split this in, you know, part one, part two kind of thing. So it was just the timing of that. And I was just like, I've never interviewed brothers before. So it's like, why not? Why not you guys be the first? That's cool. There's not a lot of uh, dodgeball podcast first left on this show, I feel like. So honored <laughs> to be one of them. <laughs> honored to be one of them. <laughs> All right. What about you, Daniel? Yeah, so I was kind of thinking, uh, so I was kind of thinking along the lines of what Zach said and why you chose us, but you just answered that. Um, but I mean, it does, it does kind of feel somewhat surreal for all these to look at the other people you've interviewed and whether it's people that are on uh, Euro winning national teams or well-known 
USA dog on people like Lucas or different people like that. I look, I look through the past episodes and it's kind of interesting that that's we're we're up there now and it feels <laughs> kind of, because we were because we were no one really knew who we were coming into twenty twenty two season and now I feel like everyone at least is aware of the name. But I would ask you kind of uh, how did you start your and was this was Dodgeball podcast the first podcast? Did you start the first Dodgeball podcast? <laughs> uh no i did not technically and um i guess if we're gonna go back in time uh in 2000 in 2014 there were two podcasts before this one there was okay. the book of dodgeball with david tates and golden state syndicated dodgeball podcast both of those um started around the same time and then the dodgeball podcast initially had another co-host it was steve and brett and um so those three during season one, that's why you never hear me because I wasn't a part of it. Um, but no, I did not start it. <laughs> I was okay. I just I hopped on for season two is like kind of like behind the scenes kind of thing, like helping with editing, providing notes, whatever. And um, in season three, I I wanted to bring the the format globally. I had friends and like all the interviews you you listed, Euro, European winning teams and stuff like that, like. Those were friends even before the podcast even began for me. And I was like, why not bring some of these people on and share their story? And if Steve can make time for it, why not? Because I was thinking, no way going to want to hear my voice, right? I'm a nobody. <laughs> and now I'm like 115, 120 episodes in now. And yeah. people know who I am. And people know these friends that I've had for a long time. Like only a handful of the people I interviewed across internationally, I've never talked to. But now we're all tight friends and everything. So no, I was not in the beginning of it. But I like to think that I created a or helped create a second explosion of it, so to speak, through the international scene. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, no, I, I just I love looking into the uh, dodgeball past, dodgeball lore. Whether I'd be scrolling through old elite dodgeball clips or on YouTube trying to find out whatever I could watching random twenty sixteen games while I'm doing busy work at home. <laughs> or something like that but yeah no I, I i never saw anything about the origins of dodgeball podcast i just wanted to kind of understand <laughs> how you got that inspiration but yeah that's really cool yeah i mean i, I literally went from no one's gonna want to hear my voice to now like people hear me every yeah. week it seems like um but before we wrap this up do you guys have any uh final shout outs you guys like to give so, I mean, I would like to shout out our uh, Grizzlies teams, as well as the people on our team who've made Team USA, Zach. Um, it's kind of a couple people close to me of Team USA, my brother, my roommate, Chaz Billick, as well as my girlfriend, Anna Molenbeek, also is on Team USA for Women's Claw. Hey, let's and go. And it's kind of, so, yeah, I'm actually, I'm going to Houston because I was like, well... <laughs> A lot of people who are very close to me are going to play. So I'm going to support and as well as be with the community down there. So I'm really looking forward to that. But yeah, shout out those people and really shout out the podcasters like you and Kim who keep the uh, keep spreading the sport, keep spreading the passion about the sport, keep telling people stories. And I think that's a really powerful thing. And uh, it really helps legitimize the sport and grow people's interest in it if there's more content so the more content any content the more content the better is my opinion but uh yeah so that's kind of that's kind of the shout outs i'd give and also 
Shout out the guys at Maryland. My somewhat, they're kind of my children at this point. Everyone on the team, besides Connor, as Zach said, was the last one who had. He's the last one who I didn't recruit. Everyone else is I recruited or is recruited by someone that I recruited. So it's kind of a uh, legacy thing for me. But yeah, so Grizzlies and uh, shout out the Grizzlies. Shout out all the members of Grizzlies who put in the work this year. And I can only, I can, I'm only ready to see where we're going to take it in the next year. What about you, Zach? Anyone you want to shout out? Uh, definitely going to start with uh shout out to all the Grizzlies members, especially the guys who joined last year and, and stuck with it. Um, trusting me, basically asking them totally blind, them not knowing me at all. A lot of them, they just saw me play like one open gym and I was like, Hey, you want to join my dodgeball team? Uh, so it was a lot of trust they put in me. Um, at that point, to just join a totally random guy's team and to still be there two years later means that they they really kind of buy into to what I've been selling there. Um, additionally, like everyone who's who's signed on to play with me at any point during the last two years, um, the number of people I've I've asked who I'd never spoken to and who just like heard good things about me and signed on with me because of that, um, I just. It just shows a lot of trust, and I, I'm, I just hope that I've earned it. <laughs> I think I, I think I have, but you know, just grateful for uh, for them for to give it. Uh, excuse me, to them for giving it to me. You know, for sure, man. All right, and that was my interview with Zach and Daniel Fernald. Thank you so much for hopping on and sharing with us your shared story. And I highly do recommend listening to Daniel's Seventy Feet podcast, where he does um, interviews with the NBA players. Um, definitely one of my favorite ones to listen to as of late. Um, as we approach the holiday season, I want to say personally for me, thank you guys for your support. Um, it's been an up and down year for me and, uh, stay tuned for more awesome content. Thank you guys so much and have a wonderful day.